Hi everyone, welcome to the Idiots Podcast, that's Infectious Disease Inside of Two Specialists. I'm Jamie, that's Callum, and we're going to tell you everything you need to know about infectious disease. Soon may the editing come to discontinue the Tezo sun. One day when the CRP's done, we'll take our leave and go. Callum, anything annoying you have played? Uh, no. Oh wait, this is a setup for something. <laughs> it's, it's not your typical introduction. No, it's somewhat atypical, as mm. are our puns, I guess. Not of late. I think we, we were talking recently about when you when you come across the same area of practice where people don't understand regularly and you feel like you, you want to get the message out about something. So a good example would be doing urine dipsits in a catheter specimen of urine. Don't do that, please. But what's the, what's the one we're talking about today? Uh, a typical cover for pneumonia. Do go on. Do go on. Oh, I was just going to keep talking. So we, we're all aware of the CURB65 score, which is a great way of categorizing mortality risk for patients presenting community-acquired pneumonia. And in a lot of guidelines, there is a requirement to consider covering atypical organisms when the patient has got a more severe pneumonia. And really, when we're talking about atypical organisms, the big hitters are Legionella, Mycoplasma, and Chlamydophila. Yes. There, there are others, but those are the ones that we most commonly see, certainly in the UK. Uh, and then we can get into it. And, and I guess there's a whole other question about what atypical is as a, as a phenomenon. But these are generally organisms which are, they don't have a cell wall. And so they're normal beta-lactam, best-lactam treatment for pneumonia isn't going to kill them. So if we're worried about one of these, then we need to add in a different antibiotic. So why won't beta-lactams target these organisms? That's a great question. So beta-lactams targeted at the cell wall. So if they don't have a cell wall, then there's nothing to target. But Legionella does have a cell wall, Callum. So why doesn't it target Legionella that well? It's an intracellular organism, Jamie, and it's usually inside a vacuole. So our beta-lactams don't get there that well. If only we had uh, a series of drugs, perhaps three drug classes, Callum, which penetrated well into intracellular space and therefore could be used uh, for these pathogens, particularly if they didn't target the cell wall and targeted other bits of the bacteria. Mm, that would be useful. Um, off the top of my head, with no prior thought, I'm thinking that maybe macrolides might be something that's quite commonly used to cover atypical organisms. So in the UK, that's historically been chlorophromycin and other centers that might be azithromycin. And that has been used very much in the past. I think there's an increased recognition of potential harm of chlorophromycin, mainly to do with cardiac toxicity. So there's been a move, certainly more locally, towards using tetracyclines, which would be our second class. So doxycycline is most commonly used. And again, it has good activity against these organisms. And the final big group that we might look at is quinolones. So things like ciprofloxacin. Now, they also cover atypical organisms, but the main problem is that there's major risk. So C. difficile risk is high, uh, tendinitis, and then there is uh, has been some concern about... Uh, yeah, the amateur black box warning about AAA rupture. AAA, yeah. So yeah. why are we talking about this at all? There was a case was involved with, uh, phoned for some advice, I think, 
and the patient had to come in with a, a community-acquired pneumonia. They had a penicillin allergy, first um, sign that it was never going to be a simple call. And so they'd been started on the recommended antimicrobials. They'd end up on vancomycin and ciprofloxacin, uh, which was the recommended regime at that time locally. And uh, then they'd been in for hospital for... Oh, they, I don't know exactly how they, they ended up on vancomycin and ciprofloxacin. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. For some, for some reason, I can't remember exactly why it was. And then someone had come and seen them, someone very senior within the team, I uh, won't say which team, and they had, they'd written in the notes, uh, needs a typical cover, start clorophromycin. And I heart sunk when I saw that. And I just wondered how someone could get, there was a, there was a trainee just near the end, just about to become a consultant. And it just, it was just illustrated to me that there was so little understanding. It's one of those bits in medicine where it's in a protocol and a guideline. And I, I think if you asked a lot of people like what, why we give a typical cover or when we should give a typical cover or what has a typical cover, people wouldn't know. And what you've ended up with is just people knowing that on the antimicrobial guidelines that you give a macrolide. And so if, yeah, yeah. if you if you think about atypical, you must give a macrolide without engaging the brain power. Now, I'm sure that person was just busy or stressed or, or, or making that, but it seemed like quite a actually fair risk to the patient to give that. Well, I mean, not least because you're now giving a quinolone, which prolongs people's QT, and a macrolide, which also prolongs people's QT, at least the one that we use in the UK commonly. I'm just having a look on the NICE guidance on, on sort of antibiotic choice for uh, pneumonia, and azithromycin doesn't feature. It's for atypical scovelets recommending doxy, clarithromycin, or if you're pregnant, erythromycin. It doesn't mention oh. um, azithro at all. and you know, it also doesn't, something else it also doesn't mention is ciprofloxacin. Levofloxacin is given as an alternative way down at the bottom, 500 milligrams BD for, for five days. And that's if the there's a high severity penicillin allergy and then to be guided by microbiological results for available. So it's like a the patient has anaphylaxis, but you want good streptococcal cover. Levo is an option there. Cipro doesn't really enter into it. I wonder, though, Callum, how widespread the knowledge that quinolones cover atypicals really is, because that's the issue. That's the, the the issue at heart with the case, isn't it? They were already on atypicals cover, and then they had extra atypical added in yeah, uh, for, for no godly reason. So this made me reflect, and I went back to our prescribing guidelines, and it, it, fair enough, it didn't say there. Uh, that it covered it. It didn't say it didn't cover. So we added in a section that, that states ciprofloxacin and the other ones all cover atypical pneumonia organisms. And it laid that out. How, how many people have read that? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, as far as the nice guidance goes, which is what we're going on here in today's little mini episode, let us know if you like it. It sort of says, you know, when choosing an antibiotic, take into account severity, so your CURB 65 score, risk of complications, so like if they're immunocompromised, you know, for example, local antimicrobial resistance and surveillance data, such as flu and mycoplasma pneumonia infection rates, recent antibiotic use, and previous microbiology. And so all tangled up in the, that what to consider. 
is your rate of atypicals mm. um, incidence. And, and so people know, for those that aren't aware, uh, mycoplasma pneumoniae infection sort of has a this kind of outbreak phenomena where roughly over four years we get a, like an upswelling uh, of it in the community and then it sort of dies back down to to regular levels so that that's why they're mentioning it that's why they're they're talking about it so a typical cover is not of the same risk throughout the you know the years so in some years there's more risk and in other years there's less I don't know if there's seasonality to, you know, Legionella and Chlamydophili. I suspect not. But yeah, but if you're going to cover them, they, you know, you've you've got three options there. You've got your macrolides, quinolones, and tetracyclines. In the guidance recently, there's been a move towards using tetracyclines more because all the trusts in, in the UK are being asked to use more access antibiotics from the WHO aware schemes so access watch and reserve macrolides or watch antibiotics so you want to use them a bit less so you can cover atypicals with doxy uh, and doxy is an access antibiotic uh, and in fact there's a, a paper that's just come out sort of comparing doxycycline for for kind of mild to moderate caps proving equal outcomes when compared to the likes of of quinolones and and macrolides but was better tolerated uh, so that you're not kind of losing anything by using a tetracycline the other thing the nice guidance says is to review with the results which we never do never never happens well i mean you you and i both know the consultant that i'm referring to uh when i say that this is a, a big bugbear of one of our bosses well there's several bugbears i think the the small bit that annoyed me in this case was that they just there wasn't the knowledge to know that they were already on atypical cover, but mm. the, the, I think the main problem is that we start atypical cover on so many people that don't you know you, you, you examine them clinically and you're like this is never going to be an atypical organism, or we start atypical cover and never send the samples to look for an atypical organism, yeah, or, or review those results and stop them when they're negative. Well, I, on on our um, antibiotic guidance, um, we've in Nadosh North. We've got a page saying, like, if you want to look for atypicals, here's what to look for. Yeah. If they're negative, stop your uh, yeah. atypicals cover. You don't need it. I've got no idea how much that effective that has been. No. It's, it's a great page. I've got it open in front of me. That's the first <laughs> thing I always look to. So they, we specifically point people that if it's a moderate severity cap, so curb two, then you can consider adding a typical cover, but only if the patient's got risk factors or clinical features suggestive of a typical. If it's a high severity cap, then you already have that that cover baked into the guidance, the, the mm. treatment plan. So there's no need to change things. It says stop a typical cover at 72 hours if lower respiratory tract samples are negative. But I think most people don't get lower respiratory tract samples, which is part of the issue. Most patients don't have, uh, aren't expectorating sputum. Uh, mm. Risk factors, smokers, returning travelers, or bird or animal exposure. And clinical features are a prodrome. So it, it's typically people that you see that are like flu-like illness, but then they've got pneumonia. Um, so generally speaking, you know, things like uh, uh, diarrhea, abnormal LFTs, low sodium, potentially rash, erythema multiforme and, and mycoplasma, mm. neurological symptoms. But also just like chorizal sweats, fevers, you know, prior to that that cough and fever. Yeah, if it's a, if it's a toss up between viral and bacterial, that makes atypical 
bacterial infection more likely you know these mycoplasma legionella they're they're kind of systemic illnesses they're they're not really just confined to lungs a bit like viral infections too i suppose and they they cause these kind of knock-on effects which are kind of systemic you know legionella uh, will cause lft derangement and, and, and a low sodium mycoplasma like you say these kind of like slow onset over several weeks sometimes kind of mm. flu-like i like the word insidious insidious yeah it's a great word and then the x-ray changes are you know if you've got like a defined low bar pneumonia it's probably not mycoplasma that's not really what it yeah. does and it also doesn't in my experience and from my reading mycoplasma and to lesser extents chlamydophila pneumonia and uh cytokai don't make people that unwell like they don't really cause severe pneumonia Legionella does, but again, mm. Legionella, what's it called? Pontiac fever. So, you know, you have this non-severe end of the scale with Legionella, but obviously it can make, and, and frequently does, make people very, very unwell. Whereas the other atypicals don't tend to. So I kind of almost think about it like, do I think this person could have Legionella or not? That's yeah. the question I'm asking. And, and Legionella can cause a low bar pneumonia. It could cause quite a nasty necrotizing one. Yeah. So I guess that's your differential. But I mean, you... If the patient's severely unwell, we're going to cover anyway. Yeah, exactly. So they'll probably hit curb three plus or they'll look septic. And if they look septic, as in like they're shocked, I, I think your argument for covering, you know, uh, covering pre-typicals becomes quite strong, actually, because, you know, just hit them with, you know, whatever you got. But outside of that context, you know, a lot of people are going on you know, formerly macrolides, now tetracyclines, on very ropey, uh, very ropey grounds. And actually, when you there was, they, they did a, 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 you know, a study where basically everybody presented community-acquired ammonia had uh, sputum samples done and then did PCR multiplex looking for pathogens. And when you look really hard for your typical organisms, now obviously there's a seasonality to it, it's very, very low numbers. You know, you're looking at strep pneumo, you're looking at homophilus, some other, you know, Staph aureus, maybe Klebsiella. But, you know, generally speaking, the atypical organisms are very rare. But a lot of people that come in with a community-acquired pneumonia end up on cover. And you just wonder, I think we're very good at thinking about the risks when we treat people with infections of not treating an organism, and less good at thinking like that sort of more wide, you know, antimicrobial stewardship aspect of, you know, it's not just giving antibiotics full stop. It's like, you know, giving these extra antibiotics is having a is having an impact as well. Yeah, yeah. I see. I wonder for the for like you know, curb one and two pneumonias, if we could just get away with doxycycline monotherapy, or just to send a sample, or just send and a if sample. it's positive, then then give them a typical cover because they're not mm. that unwell with it, and actually, will it just resolve itself? Yeah. If you if you and if if you really want to cover it you can just, you know, swap out the amoxicillin for doxycycline up front. I mean, that's kind of, for COPD exacerbations in, in the UK, doxycycline is is kind of first line for for just that uh, reason, uh, yeah. because you want to cover stuff like, you know, Morixella and, and Haemophilus and stuff that you wouldn't necessarily trust amoxicillin itself to cover on its own, at least in the dosages we normally use. But yeah, so anyway, that's our mini rant over for the day. Yeah, we could. I think we could talk more about atypical pneumonias. We could talk about Q fever, HIV testing, 
There's a whole lot of other things. And maybe we should come back and do a proper episode of pneumonia. But We did a proper episode of pneumonia. Did we? Yeah, it was like episode five or something. Oh. Callum. Oh. Are you not listening? (laughs) I'll subscribe. Of course you will. I'll follow I'll follow us on Twitter, idiots underscore pod. And you can also reach us on idiotspodcasting at gmail.com. I feel like we've done our listeners a disservice. There's not even been a single pun in this episode. Very untypical of us. Oh, that is a typical response for Jim. Ah, uh, yeah, of course it is. Uh, want to buy us a coffee? Uh, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash idiotspod, all one word. We'll be back with the regular episode soon. Thanks. Now that the episode's done, we hope you learn and had lots of fun. So go forth and treat people with some of what you now know.